Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. Jeez Louise. This is the only podcast in the history of humankind that shows two brothers talking about comic books. I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother. My name is Kevin Hines. Uh, I live out in the East Coast, New Jersey specifically. Yeah, you can hear the East Coast toughness in his voice. And I'm West Coast. I'm in Los Angeles. A softy. A real ready to get inducted into a cult I believe in numerology, and I eat vegan everything. I'm a West Coasty, and um, that yeah. is our that is our our roles. Yeah, that's right. We fall into archetypes immediately mm-hmm. wherever we live. I joined a mob the moment I moved to New Jersey. <laughs> yep, and I got sucked into a cult, and I also was made the head of a movie studio. Yeah, uh, we are in the midst of our Sandman season. Will mm-hmm. we've been discussing issues of we're jumping around and discussing issues of the Sandman, the Vertigo. Series by Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. um, and a variety of artists. Yeah, that ran for like seventy-five issues plus um, a bunch of minis and stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's what we've been doing this season. Yes, which we're both thrilled about. We're both big fans of the comic. Uh, me especially. Kevin is partly doing a little brother favor by letting me talk about a comic I loved. Although I know you're also a fan, so it's not it's yeah, not a, not a huge favor, but it's a little little. Yeah, you're making me read a really good comic that I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, but this episode's a little different than our previous episodes because we got a guest this week. Will. Yes, we have a guest, uh, the um, co-owner of a comic book shop, and we thought it'd be really fun to talk to someone who owns a comic book shop because that's such a one's comic book shop is such a big part of the comic book reading experience for so many people. Certainly, you and me, Kev. Yeah, um, and there's sort of the the connection between all these. Um, Big comic book companies and you, the the readers, like without comic book shops, first of all, without comic book shops, there's no comics anymore, right? They saved, not this one specifically, but they saved no, comic this books. No, this, this guy, he's the co-owner of the shop that saved yeah. the institution of comic books, let's say. That's right. Comics would have ended in 1989 without <laughs> our guest today, uh, Casey Bruce. Casey Bruce, come on on. Hello. Oh, come on hi on. there. I said, come on on, but whatever. Hi. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> come, come on, on in. Come on. in the room. Come in yes. the virtual room. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us via Zoom. One of the nice things about the pandemic is it made everybody get accustomed to video conferencing software. So it's actually made it easier to have like guests and just all forms of video communication with people in other cities. I guess that's one of the silver linings of this. Yeah. It's all just been prepped to get more people on podcasts, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a really, this really real... long walk <laughs> to just get more guests on podcasts. Will is on the record of saying this pandemic is mostly good. (laughs) (laughs) And at least for his podcasting empire. (laughs) But um, yeah, Casey Bruce. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the shop that you, that you run and then we'll, we'll pepper you with questions. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm the co-owner of danger room comics in Olympia, Washington, which is a college town about an hour South of Seattle. It's a, where K Records is, it's the birthplace of Riot Girl music. So those are probably its claims to fame. It's yeah. the state capital also. Um, and actually, uh, my buddy Frank, who I own it with, and I just had our 10th anniversary as owners literally yesterday. Oh, so wow. Oh, wow. Happy anniversary. That's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, we both had worked there as employees previously. It has been a store since um, early 90s. Yeah. You know, 92, I want to say, although I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, we're the third group of owners and, um, yeah, the previous owners sold it to us because we were on their short list of people they would actually consider bequeathing it to basically. Oh, that's interesting. 
So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, like you said, the comic book shop is such a sort of oddly intimate part of a lot of comics fans' lives. And it's, I mean, that's our, our favorite part of it is just getting to know our customers and chatting with them and making recommendations. And so basically, yeah, I mean, it's, we enjoy what we do. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask a lot of questions about the comic book shop, but before we get into that, uh, when did you start reading comics? What got you into comic books prior to that? Because I assume it wasn't when you started working there before. (laughs) No. Yeah, no, I I got hired and I was like, maybe I should pick (laughs) one of these up and read it. I don't know. I bet that Um, happens sometimes, but not often. It does. Yeah, right. No, it, um, you know, I can remember reading like the Sunday comics with my dad when I was too young to read myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember being at a 7-Eleven and walking by the comics rack. And then I actually can't remember which, which it was first, but it was... Either the first issue of Who's Who, the DC kind of encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, that. And because it had Aquaman on it, and I knew him from Super Friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, which was actually like a cool intro, because then, you know, I I knew all, way more about the All-Star Squadron than anyone else in my <laughs> kindergarten class, probably. So, um, you know, it was either that or an issue of Captain America. I think it was one of the Mike Zek ones. Mm. Um, it's got Captain Britain and him fighting on the cover, and that cover really intrigued me for whatever reason. Maybe oh, I my, just... my brother is a big Captain Britain fan. Oh, okay. That sounds like nice. probably the original, right? The, with the staff, right? The older Captain No, Britain it was one? apparently, it was, I learned later, it was his first American appearance in the newer uniform. Oh, okay. Wow. So, yeah. I don't post, know about that. Post Alan Moore, you know, run. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what were, who were your guys, like, when you were a kid? Who sure. were the ones that you loved? Sure. Um. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I read comics pretty steadily. You know, there was, I think, a couple periods of probably not more than six months where I'd think like, oh, I'm into baseball cards now, not <laughs> comics or what, you know, or whatever else. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, but I really I gravitated to Captain America a lot. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Gruenwald. I like I still am a fan of his run. Um, if, have you, have you guys read much Cap from that era? I, 80s? That's a blind spot for me. Oh, really? I, uh, I think I've only I've read, read a- some of the early Kirby stuff, and then I, I don't think I read much. I read the Burn Run, the and then I jumped yeah, almost great. to Mark Wade. Yeah, but no, it yeah. was um the run where he has to give up being Captain America. Sure, yeah, and uh, Johnny Walker, the Super Patriot, becomes the new Cap. Which apparently they're they're kind of adapting that storyline into the um, Falcon and uh, Winter oh, Soldier TV show that's coming up. So I'm excited about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean that was a uh, so this wasn't the U.S. agent time. This was another. Time. He later became U.S. agent. Okay, yeah. so that was like that was one of the yeah. I mean that was a huge era of. I mean I was reading a lot of Marvel at the time. Captain America was one of those ones I had trouble getting into initially. Like basically the ones with the biggest movie stars in the world now: Captain right. America, Iron Man, a Thor. I didn't read any of those. I've since mm-hmm. gone back and read Thor, the Walt Simonson run. Um, yeah. But I haven't even read the classic Iron Man stuff like. Those are sort of big blind spots in my in my mind. And yeah, there's a lot of Iron Man I haven't read either. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, from there, kind of, you know, I was like the right age when Image Comics hit. I was 12 or 13 when those all started coming out. Um, Savage Dragon is one I I still follow. I have every issue of. Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, yeah, Preacher is another favorite. I kind of discovered that. Um, that was around that time, right? Preacher came out in the early 90s. I, yeah, I read Preacher like three years ago like so okay. yeah so late 
Uh, and I read it maybe ten years ago, which is still too late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it was weird to it's weird to read a well done big thing that's made a splash, but uh, you didn't read it at the time it was out, so you're reading it kind of out of the zeitgeist of what yeah. created mm-hmm. it, sort of. Uh, I did enjoy yeah, that, it, but I, I probably didn't fall yeah. in love with it the way somebody might have if they were exposed to it as it was happening. Totally. Uh, I discovered it. It was when the series was still coming out. You know, I think there were maybe two or three book collections left to come out when mm-hmm. I started reading it. So, and then whenever I would get one, I would pass it all the way, like through like my entire friend group in college, pretty much everyone would take a turn with it. So that was kind of fun <laughs> to read it with a group like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just knowing other people reading comics is a, he, I, I knew Will and he read not enough. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. I never had anyone to talk about comics with. Yeah. Right. I've always been good at getting friends, you know, recommending stuff I think they'll like. And then, then I have more comics reading friends. So that's nice. Oh, where did you grow up? Was this like in, in Washington? In, in Seattle. And then I moved to Olympia for college okay. and I moved basically between Olympia and Seattle back and forth some, but settled in Olympia. Okay, so now you you run a comic book shop. So yeah. your your ability to recommend comics is probably very useful. Uh, uh, and I would I read this article on your comic shop about how you guys sort of reworked it, like kind of set up a bigger kids area or all ages area is probably a better term, and all that stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, we noticed. You know, really just right around the time we bought the shop, which again was 10 years ago, that uh, the kids' comics market seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. That was when, you know, like Raina Telgemeier started putting out her own stuff instead of just doing the Babysitter Club book um, mm-hmm. adaptations. And, you know, um, Bone was being published by Scholastic at the time. Right. That was still a fairly recent thing. And those were showing up in a lot of school libraries and um Actually, uh, my buddy Frank and I both worked at Borders for a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got to see a lot of kids coming there asking for, you know, for Bone and Raina Telgemeier and stuff like that. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, we just noticed it was growing and felt like, well, you know, what better opportunity to hook someone than to get them when they're young? And we just thought, <laughs> you know, it'd be really cool if we had families coming in and maybe everyone in the family is buying something for themselves, you know, instead of just sort of more the stereotype where maybe dad is getting stuff for himself, but the, the daughter and the wife and the, you know, young son are going home empty handed. So yeah. we wanted to yeah. do what we could to change that. And, uh, I mean, apparently, you know, I think our, our fingers seem to be on the pulse cause that market has just grown exponentially since then and really still seems to be getting bigger every year. Yeah. I mean, there's all the articles that just came out cause I don't know if you guys, I, the Dog Man series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just big had the now. newest book, and that's that's I, I've never read it, but I guess a comic book that is released mostly to book markets, and it mm-hmm. was like the number one seller. Really, like it sells better than like any comic book or any book. Huh, I didn't realize uh, that, but yeah, it, it definitely sells well for us. It's also one sort of downside, unfortunately, is that Diamond, who, which as you guys probably know, and some of the listeners do too, mm-hmm. is kind of the big fairly monopolistic uh, distributor for all comic shops in the U.S. They still, they've gotten a little better, but they still carry a somewhat embarrassing amount of non sort of big two publisher kids stuff. So we, you know, we do direct orders to Scholastic and different publishers like that, which is great, but so many comic shops don't. And it's, it's hard to totally fault them because there's yeah. several more hoops you have to jump through just in order to do that. You know, mm. you have to not just be a guy running a comic book shop. You got to know what's going on and be paying attention right. and 
I don't know. That's a lot more things to worry about. I think so much about comic book shops is so important. Um, Will and I have talked about on this podcast before the comic book shop that hooked helped hook Will into comics was Outer Limits Comics in Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, and it was a small shop, but it was like welcoming and friendly and the owner uh, was really nice. Yeah, was and that helped, I think. I, I look back so fondly on it and I'm sure lots of people do on the comic shops that they liked when they were kids. Was I a kid? Yeah, I was like 12 or whatever, 7th or 8th grade. And I walked into the store. I was just like a friendly guy running it. Was good about keeping track of who his customers were, recommended stuff. Not pushy, not a big salesy guy, just like more convert. Like he would be as likely to talk to me about Last of the Mohicans as he was, you know, Secret Wars. Um, but he did, he liked comics and adventure stuff. He actually was not like a huge, huge comics nerd. Like if you tried to go deep on like continuity or something, that wasn't really his bag, but he did, he did just have a general enthusiasm for stuff. And I would go just to see him kind of, you know what I mean? It was, it was like my home or whatever. Yeah. That's how we basically, you know, definitely aim to be. And I think, I, I hope at least a lot of our customers would describe us similarly. I mean, we certainly can go deep-ish in continuity if it comes up. But mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're fairly small. We have a, we have a nice corner location and we like that. It's right in the downtown here, you know, here it's a, it's a small city, but it's big enough where it has a downtown yeah. and uh, the, you know, actually has a culture to it. Yeah. And so we get a lot of people just walking in and maybe just something where a kid saw something through the window. So the family comes in and we always love it when that ends up with, you know, multiple people in the family buying something and being excited to read it. But a lot of comic shops have a lot of like paraphernalia, like stickers and shirts Mm -hmm. and hats and things like that. We have very little of that because we sort of early on decided like, well, we have the space where we could be a great comic shop. Mm -hmm. So we really focus on that. Another thing that's different about our shop from most shops, it feels like, is we actually organize by genre. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, a crime and mystery section and a fantasy section and a kids area, like you mentioned, um, and what of course because a superhero you guys, area. You guys worked in a bookstore, so maybe you were like, right. kind of like, oh yeah, there's more than just superheroes going on here. Yeah, yeah. It's also we also have it where the superhero uh, area is actually the last you would probably come upon when you walk into the store, because we figure everyone knows we're going to have superheroes. You That's know, true. you don't need to, you don't need to sell that or like present right. it. Yeah. Like right. But when you walk in, you see on one side the you know big kids section, and then you also see the nonfiction area. Mm-hmm. So our hope is that people walk in and go, "Oh, I didn't wasn't necessarily expecting to find either of those, but that's mm-hmm. cool that they have these." Do you have a milksop area for comics that use the word milksop or characters right. who could <laughs> yeah, be right. construed to be milksops? Um, like definitely, that? yeah. If <laughs> if you guys ever visit, we'll set one up just in your honors. So. Okay, great. That's only, I only like reading comics <laughs> someone I can relate to, and that's right. milksops. Okay, yeah. yeah. I hear you. Did you, we, we, I forget if we said this, did you have a comic shop when you were a kid that you went to? Yeah, I did. You know, I had one that I, I discovered in middle school. Uh, and, uh, you know, a friend of mine, I was kind of just getting back into comics mm-hmm. after, you know, like I said, being into a grown up thing like baseball cards for a couple of years. Yeah, something sure, yeah. Mature. So, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, uh, a friend told me about like, yeah, you can like tell them what comics you want to hold them for you every month. And it's really cool. And I was like, oh, well that sounds like a good way to get back into it. So yeah, I started a subscription file there and I went there for a few years until, until, you know, the kind of comics boom ended and, uh, you know, and then I had to find, you know, they, they closed unfortunately, but yeah, they were called yeah. planet X comics in Seattle, but partly because it was the boom time. Also, I lived near the university of Washington. So I was lucky in that there really were probably 
at one point, probably like four comic shops in walking distance of my house. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of take your pick. So yeah. not everyone is as lucky when they're a kid, you know? We weren't. We had like the little outer limits near us. And then it was, a, you'd yeah. have to drive to a shop. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin, right. the shop that sort of became quote unquote your shop, Cave Comics, that was in another town. Yeah. I had started driving to New Haven. Uh, what Newton. ended up happening was outer limits. Um, not New Haven. Was Newton, right? Newton. Yeah. Sorry. Newton. Uh, uh, and yeah, Outer Limits Comics sort of changed owners that the, the guy who owned it died, passed it on to a son. And it just sort of was being run like less, like he would just miss things on my poll list, which is a, an avid a reader. Nice kid, I was like, but he just wasn't into it like his dad was. And yeah, just, that's the way it went. It just, it lost its and, a, attention. And all the other local shops were like boom shops. They were like variant Cashing covers in. and cards and just like whatever they could get to sell. And I, that wasn't what I was looking for. And so I would just drive around checking out different shops, like like a junkie looking for uh, <laughs> a good what I was looking for. <laughs> and Cave Comics was so warm and inviting that that's I started getting my comics there. Even when I was in college, I left a poll list there. And I was like, I'm not going to be back for six months. I'll see you at Christmas and I'll get everything. I like reduced my poll list so I could afford it when I got back. But I was just like, I just I liked it. And I wanted them to keep my business. Yeah, we've got people who think- do that. College students yeah. who do that. They'll go move somewhere and then they'll you know be there on. Christmas break and then during the summer, but they want it. Like you said, it, I mean, it's, it also, like you mentioned, it can be a thing where if they're not getting in the stuff on your pull list, that can really be a bummer, you know? Um, and you know, recommendations is another big thing. Like I got recommended uh, bone because I read a bunch of Carl Barks comic books. I got really hooked on that for a while. And at cave comics was like, you should read bone. I think it was like issue three or four at the time. Cause like, it's similar uh, uh, vibe wise. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be the greatest comic <laughs> like ever. And yeah. it was, uh, thankfully I got in the ground floor of that. It was such a great read. It's funny. Cause these um, days we sometimes make that, uh, the opposite recommendation. Sure. You know, cause bone is so popular with kids and a lot of them are like Donald duck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, but, uh, mostly when they read it, they really like it. So. DuckTales is back on the air. That should help a little bit. It does, yeah. Only only a little. I think of comic book stores in the same way I think of like record stores or bookstores or anything where it's media. And you just, it's not necessarily a requirement for the person who runs it to be an expert. It's not even an expert. It's a passion. It's just like Mm. caring about it. I certainly don't expect comic book shop owner or record store owner to know everything. It is impossible to be constantly up on everything. But if they just have a general love for it, a general enthusiastic curiosity, then I'm down. Like basically, they can chat about stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's it makes such a difference. Yeah, it's uh, luckily both Frank and myself really do read from and you know happily read from really every genre. Yeah. Um, I also in I also I uh, did an internship at Fantagraphics when I was in college. Oh right. Um, yeah, because they're in Seattle, so not far. Yeah. Um, and that's when I discovered. The Love aforementioned uh, Love and Rockets, and you know, yeah. I could well, I could borrow stuff from their library, which was awfully cool. So we asked Casey uh, listeners uh, what comic he wanted to go over. He picked a Sandman issue because uh, he knew that we were going over that. But he also suggested Eleven Rockets one. I'm a huge fan, but I I was a fan actually because of the owner of Outer Limits Comics helped helped point me to it. Eleven Rockets is not something that everybody knows and reads. It, it's lauded and sort of critically adored but i would not say that everybody reads it the way like everybody reads like watchmen certainly or something like that or even sandman or even sandman yeah there's also so just when you, so much when you of suggested it. it i was like oh why did he he picked 11 rockets and i was like oh yeah he's from 
the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. like where mm-hmm. Fantagraphics is. Like I figured, yeah, totally. Uh, when I've gone to comic shops in Seattle, there's always tons of Fantagraphics stuff. Yeah, um, what we have in our store, like I said, we separate by a genre, and we have signs, you know, so you know, saying superhero, sci- you know, science fiction, etc. On our alternative section, which is like that's not a great word, but it works, you know. Yeah. Um, we have a picture of Maggie from Love and Rockets. Yeah. And then uh, in our superhero area, we have a very Ditko esque. Peter Parker with the spider sense going off with the half face, right? The half face. Yeah, exactly. So, so you guys, I know you're in the, like, I know your careers are sort of more New York and LA based, but no, we'll relocate. You know, Olympia, it's, (laughs) we'll be there. The next big thing. I got nothing holding me here other than my family and wife. I got nothing. I'll be there tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. Um, do you have, do you uh, have like a recommendation shelf or anything like that? Or is it, uh, um, Oh, cool. we do. What's we have a, yeah, we have, um, let's see. We have, yeah, a staff recommendations shelf right now. I was there earlier today, so I'm trying to picture it. Um, I think I put the, uh, Evan Dorkin, Bill and Ted collection on there. Oh yeah. The original, yeah. um, the collection of the old Marvel. Stuff. Yeah, it was Marvel originally. I think boom has done the new edition of it yeah. because they have a new series coming out. Um, and I just thought, you know, with the new movie and it's, it's genuinely mm-hmm. good comics. It's one of the somewhat rare, Examples of a, you know, licensed series not being just a cash grab. Yeah, I, I bought that collection. They, they reprinted it at some point a while ago. They have a few times, it. yeah. And um, it was really fun. And I guess Evan Dorkin has never seen the movies. Really? Or hadn't at the time. Oh, he, I didn't know that. He had not seen that. He's never seen the first one. <laughs> and he maybe has seen the second one. He read the script for the second one because he adapted right, it. Right, I remember that, yeah. Uh, and then continued their adventure. Okay. It's like, uh, how are these so good for a guy who's like, I'll get around to seeing the movie. <laughs> right. It's so weird to me. Yeah, that is uh, a, but they're it's really also fun. a good movie. It's not like it's, and it's pretty right. short. Like it's yeah, not, right, yeah. This is not a big ass. I know. I watched it the other night. It's like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's hit a point where he's like, well, I haven't seen it so far. Uh, and I think now he feels like he knows that they're his characters in some ways. I think it'd be hard. He'd watch it and be like, no, right. Bill wouldn't <laughs> right. do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. There's the, the, uh, Chris Samney and Mark Wade black widow series on our recommendations mm. shelf right oh, now. Awesome. The, yeah. The trade of that boy. Uh, there's a, you know, George Harriman, uh, crazy cat book on there right now. Oh, cool. So oh, wow. some, cool. you know, Artsy. diverse stuff. Artsy old stuff. Yeah. When I uh, first moved to New Jersey, I technically live in Pennsylvania, but I went to a New Jersey comic book shop that I don't remember the name of. It was like in a strip mall uh, and they had recommendation shelves and I discovered so many good books on those shelves. Yeah. I would just go in and look at the shelves and, and I'd, I'd be going in to buy whatever, like an issue of The Flash or whatever. And I would just go across a shelf and just like a cover would grab my eye and I would just buy it. It was great for that. It's just another reason why these comic shops need to be inviting. The shop I used to go to, and sorry, my cat's going to focus her head into the Zoom camera. Um, The comic shop I used to go to in Astoria, Queens, or I I didn't go to that was in Astoria, Queens, like in the train station, my subway station. I was like, oh, this is so convenient. I'll just poke in here every now and then and just see what comics was so (laughs) off-putting. And so uncomfortable it had, that me, a guy who's like, I'm looking to spend my right money here, like, I got to leave. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. They would be smoking often <laughs> and arguing with each other, uh-huh. like swearing at each other. A real other. Queens like, comic book store, you know? Hey! It was really weird. I think it, in hindsight, I think it was a place that was more a local shop for guys that mostly made their money selling at conventions. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that for sure. I just know it's like, oh, if a kid walked in here. 
I would never, I didn't have a kid at the time and I was already like, a kid should never be in, this is the sort of comic shop that makes the parent not want their kid to read comic books. Yeah, which is, you know, unfortunately okay. a, a stereotype we have to fight against a little bit. So it's just, it's, why it's would you too bad if I know. Any segment of your audience, yeah. like, yeah, be yourself, be comfortable, but not if it's going to scare away customers. I, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe you've answered this, Casey, and maybe this is a boring question, but what are the big sellers? Like what, what? What do you move a lot of sure. these days? Like, what are you like? Oh, thank God for this. This is like really, this is popular yeah. and stuff. Um, well, it's, you know, it's sort of strange times right now. So, sure. oh, right. Um, you know, yeah. I guess like last couple years. Like, sure. Yeah. That, that I can probably speak to a little more. Days? Yeah. A little more easily. Um, well, let's see. Uh, Walking Dead was a big one for us. Um, oh, wow. Saga is probably still our biggest seller. Oh, wow. Um, we've, you know, uh, we've sold whenever, you know, a good way to gauge it is that whenever a new trade paperback collection comes out, you look at the sales data from the previous ones. And really every time there's a new saga book offered, we're always kind of, you know, amazed at just how many we've sold of the last edition since yeah. even, even since, you know, in, in just the last six months or something. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite saga. thing is monsters. The fanographics one does really well. Sorry. What were you saying? Uh, Saga is so interesting, and Walking Dead, to a lesser, it has a TV show, but uh, uh, it's so amazing to me. It feels so rare when like a non Marvel DC book, yes, when it's like an original, like that, an original character. They do, yeah, Mm -hmm. they dominate, yeah, they dominate. They're so good, yeah. At our store, you know, um, I mean, superheroes probably do sell more than any other genre at our store, but we really do. You know, all of the different departments have strong sellers in them. Um, the Brubaker and Phillips crime comics like Criminal and, you know, those uh, Fade Out, Fatal and all those do quite well. You know, the things we really notice that sell really well at our store are ones that sort of have that crossover appeal. So Criminal is a great comic, but a lot of people have read Ed Brubaker's, you know, Captain America or Gotham mm-hmm. Central or, you know, the more mainstream mm-hmm. stuff. And so they're more likely to try Criminal than maybe some other stuff than, say, something like Stray Bullets, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. Which also does well, but you know, not, not, yeah. doesn't quite have that push. Um, Saga, Brian Vaughn had done a lot of more, you know, more superhero yeah. genre stuff. Um, so that was sort of an in that people had for that. But really, if it's like, if it has some element to it that has that crossover appeal and it's something we like and it's well done, those are the ones that tend to do best for us. Uh, yeah, Casey is, as I said, he's action figures of all the stuff we've talked about so far on this podcast in front of him. And that you have a J. Jonah Jameson figure is incredible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, anything for the milk socks. <laughs> uh, he's um, going to browbeat us later. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's the way but, real fans treat us. They beat us up, <laughs> take our money, <laughs> call us a coward. Oh, the worst. <laughs> um, when yeah. Frank and I, when we were uh, in talks with the previous owners to buy the shop, we went to Seattle and just went around to all the different shops up there and talked to the people there about like, Hey, we're, you know, looking at buying a store and any advice or anything. And one of the best things someone told us was, um, Larry Reed, who's the manager at the Fanographics bookstore said, yeah, it's a great store. Um, he said, if anybody, you know, walks into your shop and the worst thing you can say about them is they have a different taste in comics than you do, you're doing pretty good, you know? So, so we really, it's like, you know, when you hear stories about people who are belittling what people are buying or trying to convince them not to, it's really like, 
why are you doing that? You know, yeah, if they like yeah. it, then <laughs> that's great. And, you know, feel free to recommend other stuff or tell them what you like. But we all have our guilty pleasures, you know? Sure, yeah. Maybe the stuff you're saying is obvious, but it's so impressive to me that, like, you went around talking to other comic book shops for advice and that you guys thought about, like, reworking how the shop was laid out from, like, your bookstore history. Like, you just kind of, like, didn't just go in and go, like, we'll just keep doing right. it. Right. Yeah. Well, you didn't just do that. Uh, I don't know. That's probably uh, hopefully you guys are doing well or we're at least pre pandemic doing well. Uh, and I, that's got to be a huge part of that reason is just like you guys are proactively being smart about it. I mean, like Has I said, we've been there 10 pandemic, years, so we're, you know, must be doing yeah. it, doing all right. Is at the least. pandemic killing you or are you guys right. doing, are you eking by? We are eking by. Yeah. The, as you may well know from being comics fans yourselves, um, and probably a lot of listeners know too, uh, there weren't any new comics shipping to stores for a couple months there. Yeah. yeah. And that was a controversial uh, decision by Diamond. I, that, I was very relieved that they did that and very glad that, he, that they did that because as soon as, you know, some states, uh, Washington included, got the order to, you know, for all non-essential businesses to close up, um, my biggest worry was just imagining those weekly shipments coming by and just not really being able to sell them. Yeah. Because yeah. we kind of rely on that turnaround of, of money and of new products, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but luckily even, even during that, um, a lot of our customers are, you know, really loyal and we have that kind of relationship like you guys described with them. So people were doing things like, you know, buying gift certificates to be used later or mm. having us mail them and, or, you know, or even Olympia is a small enough town where like, you know, one customer asked if we would mail him something. I looked at, at his address and went, oh, you live three blocks from me. I'll just drop it off. You know, like <laughs> stuff like that, you know. So, so um, yeah, so it was really nice to feel so supported by the community. So, yeah, those weren't real, you know, profitable months. In fact, they were not profitable at all. But, you know, <laughs> we didn't we didn't totally lose our shirt. And actually, uh, there's been a really nice um uptick since then. So, like, our, our summer has been actually quite busy. So, yeah, so that's oh, that's really great. Nice. That's good. I just have no idea. I just, uh, I buy a lot of stuff digitally now because I don't have good comic book shops near me. That's so I it. like digitally buy comics, which is also useful for, uh, uh, getting images for, uh, our podcast. Mm -hmm. But then also I will, um, get trades if I really like something. And then those I buy online cause I used to go to Midtown comics occasionally cause I worked near it, but mm -hmm. the, the stuff in New Jersey is not nearby or doesn't have a great, um, uh, it's, it doesn't have a great amount of stuff on the shelves. So I'd be like, well, I'd be guessing. I'd be kind of going in hoping to find something. I don't know how they're doing is basically mm -hmm. what I'm getting at. I just, I don't know how they're doing. And it's good to know at least a, one good shop is doing well. What's um, what's your relationship with uh, Frank? Like, did you guys meet when you worked at this store? Is that how you yeah, met him? Um, actually, before that. Um, so when I moved to Olympia to go to college, you know, on my to-do list, early on was to find a comic shop. And so I happened to walk into danger room during that week. And, um, one of the owners at the time, Kendra was there and she was very nice and, you know, good at making recommendations. And so I, I opened up a, you know, a pull list right then and there. And, uh, that became my comic shop. And Frank at that time was working there just part-time. So I got to know him from shopping there. He, he then later mm -hmm. became the manager there and did that for a number of years. And uh, then it was actually my senior year of college. They were hiring, and um, 
they had heard I had, I had applied once before and not gotten the job. Hmm. Um, I had <laughs> in between those times interned at Fanographics, mm-hmm. and Frank asked um, one of the guys at Fanographics like, "Hey, uh, Casey, Bruce is applying." They were like, "Oh." He's the best intern we've ever had. So, oh, wow. so he was like, okay, well, yeah, pretty much, I'll, you know, he was ready oh, to give me the job at that point. And yeah, so we became good friends uh, from that. When I, I used to have a job where I traveled all the time and whenever I went to a new city, I would look up all the comic book shops in that city and be like, I'm going to visit all of these things. <laughs> and some of them I would just go in and walk right out. Some of those I would go in and spend like an hour in, if they, especially if they had like, dollar back issue bins because this was uh we're talking late 90s yeah late 90s basically early aughts maybe and it was just great i was like oh, i'll just buy a bunch of one dollar issues and i would just like get full runs of things i'd never read and read them that way there were no digital comics trades weren't complete like they are now right. and it was just i loved it man hmm. and sometimes i do these shops and be like oh if i lived here this is where i'd go you just knew it you walk into a shop you just know like this is this is my comic shop. Totally. Yeah. Um, it can be, it can feel that way from the other side of the counter too. You know, we sometimes tell people like, well, you know, uh, you're welcome to move here. So whenever you want, you know, or, uh, (laughs) and, and actually, yeah, we get a lot of people. Um, the most common is like musicians that are on tour. Mm. So, you know, because Olympia is kind of a big music town, uh, they, you know, they'll stop by and, and they say they're, you know, hitting all the comic shops that they're passing through, which I, that I've never, been in a position to do that but that sounds like that would be a lot of fun to see the yeah you know just see all the differences and all that i'm i plan Uh, on becoming a rock star around the age of 60 and i will do that i will tour all the comic book stores in this country Uh, i have one more question before we get into our issue of sandman what's a comic you are reading right now that you think uh that not enough people know about and or are reading like what's the one that you're like this is not a hit and i'm worried it'll be canceled if people don't know about it okay wow I'm trying to think what my answer for that would be. I okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, no, I was, I was prepared to share a few of uh, recommendations I've been reading lately, but I'm, of ones that are sort of in trouble. Like, I don't like. I would say Black Hammer. Um, have you guys okay. read that at all? Black Hammer's great. Yeah, the Jeff right? Lemire yeah, yeah. superhero thing. Yeah, um, but you know, with, I have, Will hasn't read anything. Okay. I've read no, most. Of I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. It's kind of starts as um, what if the Justice League was trapped on a farm in what seems to be more or less our world hmm. mm-hmm. and have, you know, has to keep it a secret that they have superpowers. <laughs> um, they're, you know, sort of justice league analog types, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, then it kind of gets weirder from there, weirder <laughs> yeah. and somewhat Ditko esque. Right. It. So yes. yeah, yeah. It's, just a, uh, yeah. it's got a uh, Dean Ormston, Ormstrom, I, I think, or Strum, yeah. something like that. Yeah. His art is so, he used to do a lot of art in Lucifer and I love his stuff, man. It's so weird and just a, just a little off kilter. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Um, that's one, you know, although it seems to be doing fairly well cause they've done a number of spinoffs. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I threw this question uh, at you from nowhere. I'm right. convinced I'm moving to Olympia. Okay, great. Um, well, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about this issue of Sandman. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. 
reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. Uh, and so today we are covering issue, what did we say this 54? issue was? 50, 54? Yes. Uh, this is issue 54 of Sandman. It takes place during the World's End uh, collection of stories, um, which I'm really excited to go over. Um, I think we're going to be yeah. doing two from this arc because we're doing this one and then I'm going to do another one. Yeah. To, uh, next week we're doing, I think, the next issue maybe. Yeah. Casey, why did you pick this issue? I picked this issue because this is sort of far and away my favorite issue of Sandman, partly because it's drawn by Mike Allred, who is definitely one of my favorite contemporary artists. Uh, probably he and Tom Scioli are my top ones who are currently doing stuff. And you pick two guys that like work in such retro styles. Uh, I mean, they're both great, but uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, they're you know they're both kind of like two different interpretations of Kirby yeah, in a lot of sure. ways, uh, which, and he's my all time favorite. Oh, I have a, um, uh, a mother box tattoo. I don't know. Well, you can see it here, but yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. there we go. Oh, sort I love of. it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> good for the listeners showing tattoos. Anyway, yeah. um, Make a visual... we're doing a podcast about a visual art form. <laughs> right, we yeah. doomed we're ourselves all, before we started. Screwed. Good it point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I read it, I don't, think i was at all familiar with the character prez yes i wasn't either no it's i'm sure i wasn't even when i read it uh the the last time i read this issue was probably like 15 20 years ago and i don't think i'd ever heard of prez yeah well it was you know prez was like only a few issues were ever done i have them here (laughs) Um, got them yeah uh so anyway but i i i mean I thought it was an original story and I just thought it was so kind of weird and unique and mm-hmm. yeah, so of- as I'm, re- as I'm remembering and please pardon my eyes, always slightly inaccurate, like summary ability, but like the Prez is a character who was basically born to be the greatest president ever of America. And he was like, becomes president as a teenager. So he's like a cool teen or at least young guy Prez. And he's just like awesome. So when I read the Sandman story that by itself is kind of crazy for a Sandman story, but not so outlandish because there's just lots of sort of like weird characters in Sandman comics. So I thought when I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they made this up for this issue of Sandman. And then later found out that there was an actual series called Prez. Right. And that is the craziest thing about <laughs> this issue. <laughs> that somebody and, and pitched since- and published a comic book series about a teen president. Mm-hmm. And they've since done a sort of revival of this, right? The Mark Russell right. Prez series. Which I which haven't I read. I think it came out before I had really fallen in love with Mark Russell, but I'd like it's, to go back and read it now. It's good. I think it ran, it made him only run six issues and gotten canceled. And then like they did like uh, some wrap up in some other mm-hmm. book or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. It's like all his other stuff. It's really smart and funny uh, and good. Uh, but that's that's where I learned about Prez. I was like, oh, this is a real thing. Nice. This is not a new thing. This is a revival. Right. And then when I read this, I was like, I can't believe there's an issue of Prez that I had no memory of from Sandman. So it's, it's so interesting how Neil Gaiman just sort of plumbed the, uh, backwaters of DC comics. I'm also realizing this is the first issue we're doing in the world's end 
arc. So I should just quickly say what that framework is. Yes, we should talk about that a little bit. Which is that a couple is driving cross country who work together but don't know each other. They get caught in a storm. Their car goes off the road and it's an accident. And they walk and they find an inn uh, called The World's End. And it ends up that this is like a reality storm that has removed them from our reality. And this storm is mixing up characters from lots of different realities. And this is a thing that happens. And this is an inn that appears in at, at these times for people to hide out in and get a bowl of soup and sleep for the night until the storm passes. And so for the next however many issues it is, six or seven issues, each issue is people in the inn sitting around a dinner table telling stories of their worlds. So there's always a little intro segment with this couple who's lost their way. And then you cut away for 22 pages or 20 pages or whatever it is. You hear a story of some other land and then it comes back to the world's end in. And I love every single one of these stories. And so Prez is told by one of the guests of the inn to our protagonist who lost his way in the first issue of the arc. Right. And I think it's basically a flashback. Yeah, I think Brian Talbot is the one who does the framing sequences. Do you yeah, know for sure? I'm just looking that up, and that is correct. Uh, cool. Um, Brian Talbot with Mark Buckingham on Inks, okay. who's also tremendous. Uh, and yeah, Mike Allred does the the heart of the story, the prez part of the story. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I reached out to Mike Allred and asked him some questions about this. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, we had him as a guest some years ago. So uh, I have have his info um oh wow anyway uh so i can share some of that if uh if that sounds good yes so yes. or are you just like mm, not interested put it away yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't really care what mike okay, thinks. Well, what yeah. do you think yeah. what do you think of this present <laughs> let's go back to how we can credit steve ditko as having created <laughs> <laughs> um so he said that uh matt wagner turned neil gaiman onto his work and uh he called him out of the blue and uh, asked if he would like to do the Prez issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Mike said that he had just done a Brother Power the Geek special, <laughs> and he was a little worried about being the Joe Simon counterculture guy. <laughs> Wait, uh, who's Brother Power the Geek? Like, I, that I, is I know a, that name, and I forget what it is. That's a very obscure series, maybe even more obscure than Prez, um, that I actually know to go back full circle from the DC who's who that I read when I was really little. <laughs> so yeah, both were kind of attempts at, um, of Joe Simon's at like, you know, getting in touch with the youth kind of. So <laughs> Joe one Simon, of my favorite things when like a guy in his forties or fifties yeah. in the comics world or tries 60s to get or 70s. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, they're always such a weird mixture of well-meaning I don't know. There's something authentically uncool about it. Like there's something mm-hmm. so nakedly uncool <laughs> that it's, it wraps around into cool again. I completely like agree. The forever people that Jack Kirby oh, yeah. did was an old man's attempt to do a gang of hippies and it's like wrong and it's not realistic, but there's something sweet and earnest about it that I love. Yeah. You know, like there are um, the things that kids are into, like, you know, uh, cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cowboys and tossing pellets out right. of the brim of your hat. And <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I mean, well, Kirby had a lot of I, faults, but being cliche was not one of them. That's true. I do uh, think a political comic uh, is such a fun idea. It must have been just out of nowhere when the, the original Prez came yeah. out. Because there's nothing well, I like, like that. with Watergate and like all the disillusionment over Nixon getting forced to resign, which 
although, you know, we are inundated with presidential scandals maybe ever since. I've always, like, as I read a lot of those, like, Watergate books, like all the president's men in the final days and stuff, and I wasn't conscious of the news, but it's always told, like, oh, this was a disillusionment for the country to realize that this corruption actually happened and some of the conspiracy theories are true and, like, it was like a major bummer. And one of the reasons why Carter got elected was he was such a squeaky clean image Boy Scout Sunday school teacher that it made him an unlikely popular candidate in 76. And maybe Prez is part of that. Like, or at least maybe that's what DC editors were thinking. Like, yeah. let's get a president we can believe in for the kids or whatever. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Joe Simon for the, for the listeners is co-creator of Captain America. So yes. this is his other patriotic series, I guess. <laughs> almost as big. And, right. Almost and as also, big, did almost he, as he, successful. Did he also co-create the Golden Age, the original, or the Silver Age Sandman? Did he? Or was that just um, Kirby? I think Simon and Kirby worked on the Golden Age Sandman for a while. Okay. And actually, yeah, because they changed him from the gas mask, you know, right. uh, that's, outfit. That's what I mean. To, the, they kind of superheroed him up. I think it was toward the end of yes. the run. And then the Silver Age one that's in the Neil Gaiman Sandman some, I think was just Kirby's solo. That's okay. right. I think. Yeah. So Prez is just a weird character. Yes. And I, it, so rereading this issue again, it so clearly follows the gospel of Jesus. Like there's so many parallels to Jesus. Was that in the original Prez? Like, or is that something Neil no, Gaiman was doing? Not that I, well, here's, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a religious expert either, but <laughs> right, like, no. Prez here is when he's 13, his parents lose track of him. And when he's 13, he's meeting with all of the politicians in his town and giving them advice. Well, let's, let's go through this mm-hmm. page by page. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of just jumping around since we're going to do that. Um, I am a fairly godless individual. So, so mm-hmm. thank you for, Will for you point out any satanic things that you know? Okay. We'll do. And I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay in charge of the Jesus stuff. By the end of this, you'll be converted to <laughs> Will's uh, church. Okay. We didn't tell you, Casey. We're, want us, we want you to be saved, and we're going to <laughs> baptize you yeah. in a church that Kevin and I are founding. You know, um, if, if it's right. a church that worships Prez, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird church. Our Bible is four issues long. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's go to the opening page of the actual Prez story. We can skip the world's end framework stuff. Let's go to, let's okay. start with the uh, all red stuff. So, so we're going uh, the, the third page of the issue. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where you see a baby has just been born and its parents are holding him and the doctors are smiling and it's the birth of Prez. Oh, if I, if I may try injecting some Jesus here, I'm guessing that star could be significant. Yes. Right. There's a big, it looks like the star of Bethlehem is out the window. Uh, was this during Mike Allred was doing Mad Men at this time? Do you know? Yeah. Um, I think it was after, the first Mad Men miniseries had come out and okay. probably while or right before he was working on the second Mad Men miniseries. Cause his art in this issue is just, just a little creepier than his Mad Men stuff. It is. I mean, it works great for this story. Um, I was just curious about his, where he is and his evolution as an artist. Yeah. It's also, he almost always works with Laura, his wife as his colorist. And this is one of the few examples of his work being colored by someone else. Oh yeah. So that might add to that too. Like, what's this? What's the pitch for the Sandman reader? Like, when I read it, it was just like, what a trippy story. But, like, I guess Neil Gaiman was just like, Prez is so weird, I just want to do him for an issue. I mean, he yeah. built the framework. Should, I should of, know this. I have no idea what right. the reasons was for this. But I don't think any of the other uh, episodes or, you know, issues in this run are 
references to old DC characters, right? No, de- definitely not. They're all either they're all original characters or Sandman characters. I mean, he so did. They, you know, he does touch on things, right? He, he did the Lady Metamorpho right. character in the first arc. Oh yeah, o- over um, the not in the World's End arc is what. Right. I yeah. Yeah. But yeah, throughout, and he's had the you know the others the other Sandman, and I mean the Justice League shows up in one of the early issues. So he he did you know work with other DC characters, but yeah, I don't think he not is quite like this. I think. His mind is a little bit on like touching on these weird concepts and stuff like that. Also, I wonder if maybe the editors pointed it out like, hey, you want to do anything with Prez? And he's like, I'll just do it in Sandman. I don't know. That could also be a thing that happened. You know, there was a Prez uh, one shot that came out just a couple of years later. So I wonder if they were kind of testing out if they could do a Vertigo <laughs> take on Prez or something like that. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Prez is born and he's named Prez. That's his given name. P-R-E-Z. The mom it's short is saying, for president. Yeah, president. short for president. Which I wonder, <laughs> does that mean president is on his nickname or is she just saying that's where I got the name Prez? But yeah, but his actual name is Prez. I'm going to say it's right. Prez. His actual name is Prez. Yeah. yeah. We see that he's, he's, this kid is into America big time. When he's doing the Pledge of Allegiance, he's genuinely moved. And then page two, or whatever actual page of the comic, page two of the Prez story, we see the thing that he's like into fixing clocks. And that's from the Joe Simon original series where like this is how he becomes a hero when his town is he fixes all the clocks the town is called steadfast but the clocks are not running right and he fixes them all have you read the original prez issues well i've read like wiki summaries of them okay am i the only one who's read the original prez series here you're it on this podcast that is true yeah i've only read the mark russell revival which is very different even in the 70s nobody read them you're the only one (laughs) yeah who knew Okay, and then the first gospel moment happens where he's meeting with all the town leaders and giving them advice on civic stuff. And that, that, that to me was like, oh, that's a Jesus thing. Um, and then he fixes all the... So you keep the... telling us, Will. Okay. So you keep telling us. <laughs> and then uh, Boss Smiley shows up. Um, so weird. The prince of that world was Boss Smiley is what the caption says. And Boss Smiley is a man in like... Is that a yellow? Is it a green suit? I'm colorblind. Help me out there. Mustard Kinda, colored. Yeah, mustardy. A mustard suit. And his head is the, looks like a moon... With the creepiest smile I've ever mm-hmm. seen. It looks like a moon. It's supposed to be like a smiley face. Like he is the embodiment of the smiley face pin, but he's like the hypocritical version. He's like, you know, he wants you to feel good and be happy, but he is corruption. He, I mean, right from panel one, this smile is not the sort of smile you trust. <laughs> no. This is the evilest. This is an evil smile. I love it. No, that's, I mean, maybe right up there with the, the Corinthian tied for a creepiest Sandman character. They also mentioned in the captions right before that that I skipped by that uh, 18-year-olds were given the right to vote. And the first thing they did was all voted to lower the age limit of elected officials. They all became senators and congressmen. And then they all lowered the age limit to be presidents. As if all the 18-year-olds instantly had this plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I wonder if that's something the uh, people thought would happen. Like the voting age got lowered to 18 during the Vietnam War. Probably as a political response to, well, we're drafting and killing all you people. I guess you should be allowed to vote. And then it's like, oh, this is going to change who gets into the White House. And then it's like, oh, yeah, wait, nobody votes until they're like 50 years old. So it doesn't. (laughs) But this is a comic where the 18 to 25 year olds vote en masse and change American laws. Uh, Yeah, this is definitely one of the creepiest characters, Casey. I agree. He looks completely weird. It already was a weird story. And it gets 10 times weirder when Boss Smiley enters. So in the original press series, Boss Smiley is only actually in the first issue. The first of two. Yeah. Um, the first of four <laughs> issues, right? Okay. Four, so, four, yeah. Okay. Um, and he actually, he looks a little bit different. Um, 
if you can see there. He okay, he's, he's not yellow. Face. He is he, his head looks more he's, like a smiley face than it does. It looks in this more like a Charlie Brown face. Like, kind of yeah yeah, but it, like it's a just sort colored of bald. yeah normal Caucasian flesh colored, which in some ways is I don't know which is creepier. They're both That's creepier. The original yeah, okay. Prez is creepier. Yeah. And they um, don't. If you were wondering if well you know hopefully in the original Prez series they'll explain what boss smiley's deal is they don't like at all so <laughs> he's just an evil guy who's like a political operator yeah he looks like a supernatural figure here he is like a devil figure brings pres mm-hmm. to a mountain and says i will make you president if you want and just like jesus he turns away from the temptation of the evil one and says i'll do it in my own way which is i'm telling you guys that's a gospel story and if you join the church that kevin and i are founding mm-hmm. the service is every wednesday morning new comics day i don't <laughs> know what new comics day is anymore um it's still Wednesday. Oh, it's Tuesday and Wednesdays now, I guess. DC Comics has ruined it. <laughs> well, we, we still sell our DCs on Wednesday because everyone so knows that's of... New Comics Day. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. All right. They tried. Yep, they did. Um, we released this podcast on Wednesdays for that reason. Nice. Yeah. Um, nobody cares, but that's why we do it. Mm. Then the, the Prez is asleep in a bed and he gets visited by Richard Nixon. Every page, this comic gets stranger. <laughs> How can you top a walking smiley face? President Nixon shows up in your room in the middle of the night. Yeah, Prez is not thrown by this either. <laughs> right. I remember Just as a chat. I remember loving this. Nixon comes and tells him that Prez, you're going to be the next president. Like it's been arranged. Mm-hmm. Like things are just arranged in smoky filled back rooms and you're going to be it. And Nixon knows it and is resigned to it and is here to give him some advice. Yeah. I remember being a like, "Oh, that's that's kind of wild the idea that the president would just go meet you in the middle of the night and say, hey you're going to be president next he's not mad or upset about it he's just sort of this is what's happening um prez is talking about trying to make a difference nixon's sort of ignoring those pleas yeah um on that page on the panel up top notice the bowie poster on prez's wall uh yeah mike allred tends to he has a bit of a thing for bowie so it tends to work him in whenever he can and <laughs> he, he finally just earlier this year did a at least the David Bowie biography, which is excellent and I highly recommend, by the way. Ooh, I've not read that. It's awesome. Um, what's that uh, called? Is that, uh, uh, I think it's, it's just called Bowie. Oh, right. yeah. There you go. What a misleading title. How are we mm-hmm. supposed to know what it's about? Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of fun speeches in Sandman, which are people espousing little cynical viewpoints, and Nixon does one here. He basically wants to tell Prez that once you're president, nothing you do matters. Like everyone just hates you and then 20 years later they'll think you're good and nothing you do will make any impact at all. And Prez, of course, is determined to not have that be true for his term. This is like a story in addition to being a gospel parallel. It's like, what if the president was good? What if the president was just the best person they could, like capable, into it, and principled? It is kind of an appealing fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what made like West Wing so good. Those early seasons of West Wing. It's like, oh, a president who cares and everyone's smart and trying their best. This is that to like the hundredth degree because he makes once he's president, he makes such sweeping good changes. Nixon here. So, they have a good Nixon joke. He uh, the uh, Prez says, I, I don't know if I'll ever be president or not, but I'm going to do everything I can to be president. And Nixon goes, yeah, that's a smart kid. Power. That's the only thing worth going for. Forget money. Power comes with money. Uh, power comes with money, that is. And, of course, that's not what Prez was saying. Nixon, he wants to be president to be good. And they do a little explicative deleted joke. Anytime you get a Nixon character, you got to do an explicative deleted joke, uh, which is <laughs> referencing how when he wouldn't release the recordings he had made of himself in the White House, but he released transcripts 
and he ordered all the swear words deleted. But to avoid going to jail for altering the records, he still left in the phrase explicative deleted. And that's that's funny. <laughs> OK, well, he was a Quaker after all. So ah, I forgot about that. It's that's uh, yeah. No, I, I figured that was a Watergate reference of some sort, but didn't realize exactly. Yeah. Well, Nixon plays a big part of Will's religion, uh, <laughs> yeah, an uncomfortably the, big part in the religion we're founding. You got to read the first 33 issues of Spider-Man. Nixon is in all the stained glass imagery. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's show, but he's shown as Dr. Octopus. We have Nixon with like nice. the Dr. Octopus arms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good... Someone's going to write in and say, if you had to cast the Spider-Man <laughs> villains with presidents, who we'll would try. We're just bad. Yeah, right? I don't yeah. mind that people ask. We just can't do it. Then there's a bunch of miracles, Will. How is this, is this playing to religion? I don't see the analogy. <laughs> that when he gets elected president, all these omens happen? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the only unreligious part of this story. Okay, great. Yeah, but the uh, day, a baby a, he, is born with the, with the continental, <laughs> you know, with a birthmark shaped like the continental Ooh. United States. Uh, um, a porno movie becomes clean, and they start singing "Guys and Dolls." Every jackpot I, pays off in Caesar's Palace, and then a bunch of people are cured of their diseases. Nothing Jesusy about that. No. Um, and then Prez on that same day, Prez gets elected president of the United States, and all of his like people in his car are like the hippiest hippies you've mm-hmm. ever seen that's, are they all from the comic that um the only one that's actually a real character is the native american guy <laughs> whose name craziest is craziest one <laughs> right his name is eagle free nice so who's actually um in in the comic prez is a little bit more of a willing uh protege of boss smiley and eagle free sets him on the right path so i see he's he's naive he doesn't realize that boss smiley is a bad guy but uh yeah, but if you notice, that is actually like a recreation of the cover, oh, the cover. to issue one. Oh, wow. Look at that. I see, yeah. Is that the first issue one? That is, press yeah. You're holding it? Yeah. So What's that worth? Uh, uh, $10 million, $20 million? <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because Boss Smiley is the bad guy, there's lots of just like smiley face imagery in the Sandman issue of Prez. And the one that's here on whatever page we're on kind of looks Watchmen-y to me with the red ribbon running across it. It does. Like I, there's, I wonder if it's just like, hey, why not make a little Watchmen homage? Here? Well, there's he's a, also, even he's more, a watch fixer. Right. No, I know. Yeah. Well, no, I thought about that. The smiley faces and the watches. Um, there's actually a more direct Watchmen reference later. I don't know if you saw okay. that, but I'll point I, it out I when we get it. there. It was Watchmen, uh, Watchmen's Reagan, right? No. Uh, uh, the, oh, Nixon. Nixon. Yeah, right. It's Nixon. So Nixon's it, in this. True. Reagan is Dark Knight right. Returns. Yeah. Yeah, that's you got to know your which re- Republican presidents are in which um, <laughs> classics of the superhero genre. Books, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, those those omens for, with this page. Just one more thing to point out: those omens feel like a very Neil Gaiman thing. He does that kind of thing in multiple stories. Yeah. I feel like that's true. Yes, like a panel. Each panel tells almost a whole nother story. Totally. Sometimes, which I, I I respect him for just dropping hints. I feel like that's probably he'll probably get an idea. And then realize he has nothing when he tries to flesh it out. So he probably just, oh, well, we'll just have that be a. Yeah. How about a casino where every jackpot pays off? Right. I don't know what to do. Let's make that a panel in the Prez story. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) That's perfect for the Prez story I've been working on. (laughs) Then the next page is the Prez's presidency. And he's basically just awesome at it and like fixes every. I did used to have daydreams about this when I was a kid. Like if I was president, I would just fix everything. But uh, on on this page is what kind of what the Prez does. He fixes the energy crisis he reduces the deficit and the debt. He guest hosts Saturday Night Live and saves John Belushi yep. <laughs> from an early death. Yeah. He so inspires the Belushi that one. Belushi gives up drugs. <laughs> Sing old Belushi is that nice. It's nice. Yeah. I, no, it's a, it's a good likeness. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. 
Uh, he gives um, up nuclear weapons, so he ends the arms race, which was yeah something doesn't very much, force the Russians to do it. Right, it just, it's just voluntarily like we're doing gives it. up the nuclear weapons. And I think that's Reagan in that panel. I mean, yes, maybe. Is, is, oh yeah, because he's probably he's probably debating right. somebody or something. Like right, that. he has browner hair, but it does sort of look like Reagan. It looks Reagan-y. Yeah. yeah. Well, they mentioned. I think they mentioned a Reagan. Does he run against Reagan in the re-election that's coming up? Oh, I don't remember. It's unclear. I don't remember. The, uh, he the, runs the into Boss next Smiley the, here at some party. The robot next to the TV looks like Bender from Futurama. Oh, yeah. That's just a coincidence, but hmm. that's just for me to say because I noticed it. Yeah, he goes to a party. Uh, and Boss Smiley is there and uh, still trying to wheel and deal with Prez. And threatens him, says it might be a good idea if you don't run again. Oh, Prez also tells him, you know, Boss Smiley, you weird, freakish-looking, supernatural man, I've asked for the files on you and you don't exist. There is no record of you. Nothing but rumors. Uh, and then, yes, then so Boss creepy. Smiley threatens him. You know, it might not be healthy for you to run again, he says to Prez. Prez goes, are you threatening me? How can you be threatened by a man who doesn't exist? And he turns into a ghost and floats away. <laughs> a ghost <laughs> smiley face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that doesn't affect Prez. No one's <laughs> no. affected by anything in this reality. Things, <laughs> yeah. you know, Richard Nixon comes to your bedroom. You don't bat an eye. Ghosts just float away. Everybody's cool. An 18-year-old fixes all the problems that nobody else has seemed to be able to fix. And everyone's just like, good. Also, his presidential party, I'm just noticing this, is like a super diverse party, like... There's interracial couples. There's a wide range of ages. This is the two panels before Boss Smiley turns into a ghost and flies away. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's all Red's decision or that was in game and script. It's kind of young and progressive in lots of ways. He gets reelected, uh, which nobody's surprised by. And he keeps doing amazing things. He fixes the U.S.-Japan trade imbalance, another big news story of the 80s that is not talked about anymore. He runs against an 18-year-old football player and an aging movie oh, actor. There we go. I think that's meant to be Reagan yeah, there sure. in his re-election. And then he falls in love. Yeah, with his high school sweetheart, right? Mm-hmm. Who is not in the original press comic. So that is a an all-new creation there. Oh, well, Neil Gaiman's finally right. doing something. Yeah, this I know. Up to this point, it's just been cliff notes. For real. And then um, the tragedy happens. His wife is assassinated. Maybe he wasn't married. His girlfriend? I think fiance, yeah. Yeah, they were engaged. Is is assassinated by a sort of Manson family looking killer. Yeah, this is also weird because they bring Wildcat, the <laughs> Justice Society character it's, into yeah. the story. It's really weird. I love it, though. It's like, why is he in the story? Like, what what reasoning is there to have this character? I love Wildcat, but it's, yeah. it feels so random. Well, and he's like... In the rest of this issue. He is. Um, so I asked Mike about that. He said, oh. yeah, I asked what inspired the Wildcat appearance. He said, that was me. Neil asked if there are any other DC characters I'd like to play with. And I had some old Erwin Hansen Wildcat comics open right in front of me. I thought it'd be fun to throw a challenge at Neil. And he absorbed it and utilized it with his instinctual genius. So well, that is incredible. interesting. It was because those are those are the comics all Red had on his table at the time. So Wildcat feels random to me, and it's because it was a random request. Yep. Yep. Uh, Although it's so, roughly a parallel to Reagan's not assassination, but assassination attempt. Right. Because um Hinckley was obsessed with Jodie Foster and tried to shoot Reagan to impress her. And afterwards it was always sort of like I mean, it was a weird thing to say, but people were careful to be like, well, it's not Jodie Foster's fault. It's like, well, yeah, nobody thought it was Jodie Foster's <laughs> fault. And she would never mention it or answer questions about it. Like She didn't want to lend any notoriety yeah. to that part of the story, understandably. But I feel like in this world, Wildcat is Jodie Foster. Yeah, right. Like Prez <laughs> is going out of his way to say that he's friends with Wildcat uh, or whatever. 
He also and for listeners who don't know who Wildcat is, he is a Justice Society character who dresses like like in a cat costume with like sort of floppy cat ears, and he's basically just a, a boxer. Right, it's like first generation no watchman, like a non-power just guy in tights. Yeah. And he forgives the assassin. Yeah, it's also cool when when uh, his fiance is shot. The first thing Prez says is "Don't hurt her," referring to the person who just murdered his fiance. He's he, so good. He's so saintly, Jesus-like. Uh, I don't see it still. Okay. So now we come to a yet creepier moment of the story. He goes to sleep watching baseball, of course, and we see multiple <laughs> clocks set to the right time. And Boss Smiley appears to him in a vision. Uh, sort of like talking to him through the TV, taking credit for... Does he, no, he doesn't take credit for stuff here, I guess. But he's still trying to get Prez to do what he wants. and says, I'll give you your fiancé back. Yeah, and he shows... The Prez, a vision of his fiance alone and cold and crying and missing him. And this is, yeah. honey, I'm cold. I miss you so much. Hello? Which is uh, just gut-wrenching. I don't think there's a gospel parallel for this since Jesus didn't have a love interest. But uh, it is like Neil Gaiman loves Wait, the... Wait, wasn't Jesus with uh, Gwen Stacy? Yeah, Gwen Stacy. That's right. Maybe you're mixing right. up your gospels. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Um the gospel according to Marv Wolfman? No, Gene Cullen. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Conway. Jerry Conway, right. Thing. But uh, Neil does love this story of going into Hades to rescue your Orpheus, of Orpheus <clears throat> trying to go to Hades and rescuing his wife. I mean, that story is actually told in Sandman. Orpheus is a big right. character in the overarching Sandman story. And this reminds me of that. Like, your wife said, I'll give her back to you if you do this thing or whatever. I don't know. It feels like a yeah. real Neil Gaiman-y trope almost. But Prez does not take the bait. He finishes, he doesn't, he's never corrupted. He finishes his second term and will not run again because he's a good president. He can't be corrupted by power. A new president uh, who is not even named. And uh, Prez goes into seclusion. It's implied that he's like broken after his fiance's death, yeah. right? He just is a broken man. The new president even asks for advice and help and he doesn't give it. Um, uh, we also check in on Wildcat who's drinking a lot. <laughs> I like that he's wearing a letterman's jacket with a W on it. Is he? Oh, yeah, right there he is. Yeah, and the nice Wildcat just shows up like three or four times in the story. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, they ask Wildcat where Prez is. It's like, why would Wildcat know? <laughs> but there's like, he, so he goes into obscurity and he vanishes. And then there's like rumors and legends of people running into him once in a while. And then he dies and nobody knows how he dies. Yeah, there's like rumors and legend of how it happened. Yeah, now on the third panel here on uh, page 18, according to the the page number in the bottom, notice the assassin, who's now a zombie, is wearing a button, a smiley face ah. button with blood placed that is just yeah. so. A clear super watchman yeah. homage. Yeah, yeah, that's that's as watchman as he as it gets. Right. But this is kind of a Neil thing where it's, he loves rumors and myths, so nobody mm -hmm. in this realm knows how the Prez dies. These are, we're just seeing people's rumors and stories of how it happened. And it's, they just, they don't even know how they learned that he died. They all just know. Innately, everyone knows the Prez has died and starts wearing black armbands and being sad. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's that awesome. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. So then we get to the only real Sandman-y part of this story. Um, is Sandman even in this issue? At yes. All? Briefly. Sandman shows up. But first, yes. Death shows mm -hmm. up. For, right. Within the reality of this issue, Death talks to Prez. Cool to see All Red's take on Death. It's really cool. Yeah. I love everybody's take on death. I'd yeah. love to see everybody draw death. Yeah. True. Yeah. That um, should be required of all artists. Should be. Yeah. And so uh, he gets to go to heaven. Is there anything? I forget what happens here. I mean, it's very weird. Well, 
Yeah, she takes him to heaven, and when he gets there, it's Boss Smiley. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's right. I totally forgot um, about this part. And yeah, Boss Smiley's like, well, well done, thou, thou good and faithful servant. His face looks Pres- even more like a smiley face button now. Yeah, here it looks just like a smiley odd. face. It no longer looks like this sort of moony face. Yeah. It is just the button. He's wearing now like a white suit, and he, he, I mean, he looks like corporate and weird, but he doesn't look as sort of sinister. Mm-hmm. Or is blatantly sinister. That's true. I forgot uh, about this. So what does this is, mean? There's no heaven or he was fooled or he was duped or what's going on here? I don't know what this I means. I was going to ask you, yeah. but you well, didn't even remember this happened. So now I totally forgot. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to guess that it's like, it's, it's a Jesus parallel. I'm going to guess. And it's sort of like Jesus died, went to hell for three days or whatever, and then rose and ascended into heaven anew, having saved and that, and that somehow saves all of humanity from having to go to hell. Okay. And that as long as you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven, right? That's the story of the gospel. It's also mm-hmm. the story of our church, but it's Richard Nixon and Dr. Octopus instead. No, but like, and so I think this is somehow like a false heaven is hell. And then when Sandman saves him, he's going to sort of like the equivalent of true heaven, which is wandering all the alternate Americas forever. Yeah. I mean, it's very weird. Uh, he asks him if he's God or the devil and he goes, I'm just boss smiley. I run your world. You know, I didn't think of this till just now, but looking at the kind of um, lines around Boss Smiley's head here, that reminds me of the Jack Chick comics. You know, the, the Christian oh, yeah, propaganda the comics. Super Christian propaganda mm, comics yeah. that are like, be Christian or suffer grave consequences. Oh, yeah. yeah, it sort of reminds me of how God is drawn in those comics. There's there's no head shown, if I remember right. Next time you talk to Mike, I'll ask him. Yeah, yeah, but it does have those lines <laughs> around it. I don't know if that's a conscious reference or not. So Boss Smiley... It's a, I guess it's a cynical reveal. The Prez, when he dies, is still under the power of... It's still not as powerful as Boss Smiley, but he's so good that Sandman intervenes and the Prez kind of transcends Boss Smiley and escapes. Yeah, Sandman shows up and takes Prez away. Boss Smiley says, he can't do that. You have no power in this place. Nat, leave now. And Dream ignores him. <laughs> and takes him to some kind of nexus where he gets to wander all kinds of worlds yeah some kind of all kinds of americas it sounds yeah, like a nexus yeah. that looks somewhat like it was drawn by yeah a little steve ditko yeah. dr strangeness yeah. going on there yeah. yes however i asked allred that was intentional his answer is not consciously ditko is in my dna so that may be popping up there but yeah. know that i did seek out to see if there was a conscious Ditko reference in here just to bring we it back appreciate to Steve it. Ditko. We did know? better than we did. That should be him, our him saying that Ditko is in his DNA means Ditko created Mad Men. <laughs> Good point. Uh, ecstatic. Right. Uh, everything that uh, Mike Aldridge yeah. and David Bowie. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, Ditko now gets credit for all those mm-hmm. things. Good. Pretty good. I mean, I'll take the slimmest of margins <laughs> to make that happen. I mean, there's well, also the Watchmen reference or references and those characters were based on Ditko characters. So That's right. You know. This is... This Ditko is basically sort of created yeah. everything. Sandman, definitely, yeah. And so then we go back to World's End, and the character who is telling our World's End protagonist about this whole story just says he is waiting for the Prez to help him. Um, and that's and so he is caught in the World's End because this storyteller is wandering between all the alternate Americas looking for Prez. Does Prez show up again in this comic book? Well, no, I don't think so. Maybe in the oh. funeral? A lot of the characters show oh. up like, <laughs> glimpses in the funeral but i don't remember any like featured moment i don't remember that either but it's possible just curious what i love about the world's Uh, end story does oh go ahead um does the watch because prez gives his watch 
his father's watch to Sandman. Does that ever come back into play? I don't know. That's a great question, and I should know it, and I'll know Mm -hmm. it before we're done covering Sandman. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising, but I also don't know. It seems so important in that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably at least drawn. Like, there's just all kinds of visual Easter eggs Mm -hmm. in the last issues of Sandman, so I would imagine someone took care of that. Could easily be on a shelf in the dreaming at some point or something. The dumb thing about me not knowing is there is a book called The Annotated Sandman in which these details are painstakingly documented and I am right. not using it. And it's insane that I'm not. Do you using have it. that? It was online for a while and I, I don't oh, have yeah. it. I don't have it. Did you write it? I did write it and I should just keep a copy, but I wrote it and published mm-hmm. it and just didn't keep cool. any copies for myself. I, lo- I love quick. this story. I forgot how much it's, it's Casey. What a great choice. Thank you. Casey, what's your favorite moment from this story? We like to pick favorite sure. moments sometimes. Yeah. Real same question. Kevin, me, same question. <laughs> I think, you'll, you know, the, actually my favorite moment, one that really um, has just stuck with me. I, I've always remembered it is when uh He's being interviewed. It's on page 10 of the story, according, again, to the page number here, mm-hmm. um, where he's being interviewed about the nuclear disarmament. And he says, listen, the Russians have their own problems. They're hungry and they're scared. I think we should put our own house in order first. I just thought, wow, the idea of a president saying that, that's yeah, that's awesome. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. And, and it working, I guess, is the other thing. Right. Like Congress goes along with his wishes. Uh, Will, what's your favorite part? I'll just pick according to like what's stuck in my mind because I had forgotten the whole ending, which is nuts. I like that Nixon visits him and is cynical and we get to hear what the cynical view of a president is as espoused by Nixon. I, I think it's kind of a good Sandmany thing. Like it's just good little speeches by people, not good, like inspirational, but good, like effective expressions of a viewpoint are sort of littered throughout Sandman comics and they stick in my brain as the way to express an argument. And this is an expression of here's a cynical way to look at the White House being said by Richard Nixon to Prez. And so I'll say Nixon. Uh, and I think my favorite moment is when he uh, tells the Secret Service people not to hurt the assassin. It's such a compassionate moment. It's such a crazy moment. I can't. It's similar to the uh, talking about Russia, the way he does. It's like, I can't imagine anyone doing that in that moment. Even caring. Like, it's one thing not to say, like, you know, some, do something to the assassin, but. To take the moment to stop anything bad from happening to the assassin is bonkers to me. Yeah, even just to think too. Yeah, why is it even on your mm-hmm. mind? He is so much better than me, Prez, this fictional <laughs> character. The effect of reading what seems like a slapdash, like Prez as a character is sort of like half-baked. It might be with good intentions and and stumble into a sort of authentic uncoolness. And it was done by one of the giants of the comic book industry, Joe Simon. There's there's something cool about Prez, but it's also not thought through. It didn't work. It's weird. It's clunky. So to take something like that, to, to try to give it some heft and to like give it some pathos is a pretty cool like challenge. And then and then you got to work Wildcat in because Mike Alvarez <laughs> yeah. threw that name out there. You know, you it's easy to remake and reboot something that was good. Like take something that, didn't work and find mm-hmm. goodness in it. That's kind of a fun reboot. So Definitely. I, uh, that's what's, that's one of the many cool things about this story. Any final thoughts on this issue, Casey? Um, just that it's one that really stuck with me. You know, there were just a couple of moments like the ones we talked about mm-hmm. there. That, I mean, I, I really, I remember the one I mentioned, I remember that line and often just think about it when I'm, if I'm watching a presidential debate or something, you know I mean? I just think like, man, Prez. Yeah. I guess it also is savvy of Neil Gaiman to be like, the idea of a perfect president is an appealing fantasy. Mm-hmm. 
interesting that like he super, would do superheroes that. Superheroes are a power fantasy, right? Like the idea right. that you could be Spider-Man is one of the central appeals of reading a superhero comic. What if I were Superman? What if I were Spider-Man? That's buried in the superhero basic template, you know? What would I do if I had this ability? Even if it's a fun one or not so grand as Superman or something. And this is sort of like, what would you do if you had the president... The, the ability of being a good president. This is the power fantasy of being a good leader of America. Yeah. Since it's done by some British dude. Neil's yeah, exactly. Dude no, I know. Interesting yeah. that he would kind of have an idea of what would be an ideal American president, too. Yeah, he didn't do like an ideal Queen of England. Right. Right. He, legendary <laughs> Prime Minister of Parliament. Or yeah, something. yeah. He did the yeah. president. I guess it was an existing character. That's true. Yeah, it's a really, really cool issue, as is every issue of Sandman, I think. Yeah. Except for the one we're covering next week, Will. You except, picked a real Except for my snooze. choice. Yeah, that, that is a weird one. I mean, I, li- I like that one a lot, but it's... I picked it, and I'll say it again next week, is it's, it's, it is like a story within a story within... It has within it. A story within a story within a story within a story. Like, it gets so confusing at one point that I it's stuck in my brain as, this is nuts. <laughs> and kind of fun. Probably inspired oh, Inception. Uh, yeah, it's very Inception-y, but without the fun stuff. <laughs> just, just the hard to keep track of. Right. <laughs> I guess let's start wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, Casey, we're so thrilled that you wanted to do it. And you've been such a great guest and you're so nice. I hope that every single citizen of America visits your store and buys lots of stuff. I hope they do at some point. Yeah. Definitely anybody in Washington or Northern California or uh, yeah. uh, Montana, or uh, Idaho. Montana should get in there. Yeah. Anybody who's like Vancouver, uh, uh, come on down from Vancouver. Treading yeah. water in the Pacific should get shore, come in. <laughs> Head up to Olympia. You're all yeah. you're all welcome. Yeah, and um, if I could just, I'd like to just plug local comic shops yes. if I could. Yeah. Um. Just other other local comic shops. Yeah, you know, just oh, local just so comic in shops in general. I'm saying, yeah, not yes. not specific ones. Uh, other than mine, like, I mean, I thought you were going to plug your competitors <laughs> right, yeah. for a moment. Hey, you know, they're <laughs> they're great too. Moment. So, um, but yeah, no, um, my shop, of course. Uh, if you want to follow us or anything we're danger room only on most social media and um but yeah really you know last word you said what's that oh uh, sorry danger room only o-l-y like short for olympia oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. i forget people who don't live in olympia don't say only so <laughs> insider jargon I you were saying only like no. this is danger room only no. here folks right Nothing yeah. da- else. danger room o-l-y and yeah i mean Right now, especially, is a really important time to be supporting your local shop. You know, a lot of them are really struggling. And if you hear, you know, on a podcast, maybe a recommendation somewhere, uh, if you have a comic shop in your area, call them and see if they have it. A lot of stores are happy to do mail order or curbside pickup right now. Um, It's just something that's pretty easy to do that can make a big difference. Um, Yes. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was just for that reason. Like, we love our comic shops and we still love them as an idea. And they're such good ambassadors for great stories to lots of people. And it's lots of people's second home, I think. They're and great it feels fans. like we're at, sort of at, weirdly at a low point. Like there feels like there's fewer local shops than there ever have been. And that if you love comic books, you want that to turn around. Yeah, really. You want there to be more and more and more of them. So support the good ones. I'll shout out some L.A. ones. Uh, Secret Headquarters is the one that I like to go to on Sunset Boulevard. Geeky Tees. Uh, up in Burbank is one that there's a good stand-up show. There's good stand-up shows in the back room, and they also just have great comics and toys. The new Meltdown that way. They sort of more like general RPG toys in general, and comics is one of their things, but it's still a cool store. I mean, Cave Comics still exists in Newton, Connecticut, and so that's still where my heart remains. Yeah. Maybe I still have a pull list. I should go check. (laughs) Definitely. If you have a pull list and you're 
you're slacking on and it. Now is a great time to go in and uh, if if I am, it's out. thirty years <laughs> gone. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna owe a fair chunk right. of change. <laughs> well, thanks again, Casey. Thanks so much for coming on here, and thanks everybody. Yeah, thank and you. We'll see you next episode when we go over Sandman again. Thanks for Bye, having me. Yeah, next issue, issue fifty-five. For those yep. of you following along. Yep, we skipped all of Doll's House, but are doing two issues of World's End. <laughs> Tough luck, everybody. Tough luck. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it because it's real and it has a name. One million musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.